Borak Domrithwitz. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 160th episode of Space Spinner 2000. 160 years of Space Spinner 2000. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm really impressed with our ability to just only release this podcast once a year, you know? And we've been doing it for so long. I mean, yeah. you know, I'd say like, you know, not, not as long as some podcasts. You know, Joe Rogan's been going on for God knows how long. Listen, I'm just thankful for everybody who's been with us since 1859, you know? You know, <laughs> like, it's fantastic. It was, it was very weird, you know, a year before the Civil War to have this, uh, have this podcast. Well, we were sending a, uh, out acetate pressings at that <clears throat> point, right? Right. And, you know, it was about a comic book that, that wouldn't exist for another 100 years or something. Well, but, uh, you know... It's why our it's why our audio quality was so bad. Was you know we were recording on very old equipment, coming hey, to you knows, live from the future. Who knows what direct what microphone goes in what direction in the 1860s, buddy? It's oh, impossible to know. Oh my god! <laughs> anyway, bro, don't, don't out me, bro. <laughs> I'm outing myself, man. I'm like oh, yeah. Conrad's microphone's backwards for at least the first 15 episodes of Space Spitter. It was I mean, at least a, it wasn't for the first hundred. You know. <laughs> Like uh, like uh, e- exciting knowledge for longtime listeners. Like it was our lost would be live episode where I found out that condenser mics have a front and a back. You know, it was a real game changer for me. Anyway, <laughs> blew my mind. Yeah. So anyway, all that aside, Fox, this is the podcast for two Americans trying to make sense of his own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. <clears throat> we do it one month of progs at a time. In this episode, we're covering 2080 for January and February 1987, progs 507 to 510. This episode, Ulysses Sweet is on the case. Danny Franks gets a new hat. The taxidermist is on the job. A king is slain. Ooh. Oh. And, and President Reagan is missing. I just, that's, that. There's some commentary to unpack with that one. I don't know if subtlety is uh, is on the menu tonight. No, no, listen, absolutely not. <laughs> Although I do, I really like the Sardini taxidermist one. That one's pretty good. Yeah, definitely. They're all really um, good. Yeah. Great month. Good month. If you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files, Volume 10, Strontium Dog, SE Agency Files 4, The Complete Bad Company, Slain the King, and 2080 Extreme Editions 21 and 28. Extreme! 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 <laughs> Sorry, I can't. I'll bet I grew up in the 90s. You know, we'll all be there soon enough. Oh, um, no. But before, but before, before we get going here, I should mention something I missed last episode, which is that with um, the end of Nemesis last last time, was basically the final work of uh, artist Brian Talbot in 2000 AD. What? Um, yeah, he'll be back to do like a one-off in 2011 or something. But um, this is his last stuff. We'll get. Uh, but he uh, was new, like the guy new, who was picking up all the slack for O'Neill. He, I mean, he's done a lot of Nemesis stuff for sure since the Gothic Empire. But now there's a whole new dude in town. I mean, there'll, there'll be a couple people in between, but um, the main Nemesis, Nemesis artist for the next couple of years is going to be uh, John Hicklinton, who's got a real distinctive style, and I think we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about it 
when we get there for sure. And I think really works for some of these nemesis stories we're getting to. But yeah, right. that, that's it for Brian Talbot. Um, pretty much, I'd say. Um, I'm I'm set to see him go. Recently, I've been I've been reading this comic that he wrote and did the art for uh, called Luther Arkwright, which is a pretty interesting comic with huh. some extremely English like reality bending and time travel and stuff like that. Um, Have we talked about this before? I think we might have once or twice, but I started reading it just because I started seeing ads for it um, in when I was reading ahead on t- in 2018. It's either that or I'm thinking of uh, thinking of the ArcLight series. It's what I like. That might be it. I don't know. But um, oh wow, this is amazing. It's got some. I really like cool the giant s- helicopter. Uh, I don't know fort. Something. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with it. I'm. I'm sort of partway through the big collection that's on Amazon. And it's pretty cool, you know. Very, um, again, like like a lot of like like sort of English and alternate realities and stuff like that. You know, a lot of like Queen Victoria not being happy in various situations. Uh, oh, <laughs> but anyhow, I I forgot to say that last time, and I wanted to mention it now because he's been a cool artist, and you know, I, I like to mention when these guys go, just to, you know. When new guys show up and when old guys go, just to you know, keep up with the history of this 2000 AD stuff. Hmm. Man, and yeah, and speaking of guys going, Fox, <laughs> it's thrill one bad company. Time to have a sulk about my kind of almost friend. Yeah, definitely. Uh, script script robot for bad company, Pete Milligan. Art robot Brett Ewins and Mike McCarthy. Letting robot Tom Frame. So, Bad Company member Malcolm died last episode while saving our buddy Danny Franks. And Franks is still pretty broken up about it, I guess. He's making a lot of, like, dust-to-dust references and freaking out the rest mm. of the group because of it. This is not the, not the first or last time we've seen Franks kind of making a, a, a weird um, reference in his, in, in his journal the rest of the company being like, Shut up! You're weirding me out, buddy! <laughs> I mean, which is arguably no weirder than any of the other ones yelling at any of each other. No. Yeah. Which is sort I of mean, like he's he's definitely getting molded as we find at the end of this thing. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, meanwhile, Kano is looking into his black box when he gets word from Wallbanger that a pair of lightly armored ground craft are coming their way right into their pre-planted mini mines. It's a good thing we set up those mines right there. Yeah. The company takes them out quickly, and these cruels are wearing, like, extra ornamental teeth, indicating something big is going on nearby. The fangs of fear. Yeah. Wallbanger has picked up a uh, a cruel camp nearby, and the company goes to investigate. It's on the site of a huge battlefield, the Vale of Tears. <sighs> And as they as they uh, as they scout the area, Shrike gets a reading on his gas watch. Everybody masks up until he until Wallbanger says it's harmless. And then Dog Breath starts freaking out because he's picking up a sound on a much higher frequency than humans can hear. Oh, uh-huh. nobody <laughs> seems to like it very much. Um, and Danny, refl- we get a little bit of, of Danny Frank's backstory of his uh, his brothers. Signed up into the army oh, before yeah. him, but died in a transport accident before th- they could even get onto Ararat. Well, um, hey, maybe one of these dead bodies are your brothers, and it's, look, they're coming out of the ground. Yeah, they talk some more about Earth stuff, and this battlefield's feeling pretty haunted, and then it becomes <laughs> real haunted as the dead rise from the Earth. 
Awesome. Who doesn't yeah. like a bunch of zombos? War I mean, zombies. I'm, I got I got varying opinions on them. Um, there's a big close Depends up on, on the truck. zombie, I guess. Yeah. No, no, definitely. You know, there's varieties for sure. <laughs> there's a big close up on trucker as these zombies rise from the ground and start attacking our buddies. Shooting doesn't seem to do too much, and unlike previous war zombies, um, these ones haven't been created by cruel surge cruel surgery, but are instead just rising from the ground. Quick as you please. Which <laughs> they're so goopy. Yeah, they're definitely real gross. Good Brett you and stuff here to strong these gross ass zombies. Um <laughs> Trucker is grabbed and mauled and things look pretty bad until the bye, zombies trucker. are suddenly Yeah. Bye bye, buddy. And then the zombies just kinda of fall away because that weird sound is stopped. And the company has to play dead as cruel scientists inspect the scene with their professional uh, corpse poker sticks. Uh <laughs> As they poke bodies, the company comes back alive and ambushes them, and Kano goes to interrogate one of the cruel scientists, <laughs> who's basically just kicking the crap out of him, it seems like. And well, Danny... they, they mention specifically, like, the screams coming from the tent, and they're like, I thought they were immune to torture. They're like, well... Kano found a way. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. It's like, yeah, he's just, you know, Kano seems uh, pretty hell-bent on doing a lot of damage to these guys. Yeah. Danny realizes that Trucker is in good, co- sorry, is dead, and he's in good company now. Whoa! Oh. Anyhow, it seems that the signal can animate the dead, and the crew are headed to Sector Eight, the linchpin of Earth's defenses. We got to get there and help them. <laughs> the company heads out, and Danny puts on Trucker's hat in memorial. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Just <laughs> like. I mean, a combination of that and, like, I always wanted that hat, you know? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, that's a pretty sweet That's a pretty sweet hat. It's like an overextended totally. bill. I'd yeah, have just giant, been waiting for him to die. Totally, yeah. Giant, long bill baseball cap that somehow managed to stick on to the back of your head. It's pretty solid. So Danny's worried about the zombies, and it seems that Wallbanger could block the zombie signal, although that would take enough t- uh, although that, that would take a lot of time and gear, and hopefully they'll be able to get that at Sector 8. Um, Thrax and Shrike don't want to hang out with those regular Arnie turnip heads, but Kano <laughs> overrules him. Um, they Ugh. fix up a cruel vehicle and start ro- rolling out. Love the use of turnip heads in uh, Bad Company. Generally. Yeah, it's... It's pretty often. Also, it's like I, I also like uh, uh, the general disdain for using any kind of piece of mobile technology. Yeah, they're sitting they're ducks like, in a car, man. They got to walk. Yeah. They're like, man, this sucks. And Kano's like, we wouldn't make it, so I'm going to whatever. And then through teeny tiny binoculars. They're so tiny. Did you see yeah. them? Oh, yeah, they just fit right over his eye, man. Yeah, they're spotted by the evil-slash-insane Marshall Bonehead of the Skull Posse. We don't know these guys, right? This is a new introduction. They've just shown up, man. Uh, Colonel, you know, Marshall Bonehead, he's got a forehead crossbow, a cyber forehead crossbow built into his head. So purposeless. Yeah, he used it to kill one of his own guys just right away, so you know he's evil. You know how it goes. I know this is your preferred kind of evil. I mean, that's how I like evil to be introduced. If you're, you know, someone's evil, if within their opening introduction thing, they've killed at least one of their own dudes, you know? That's fair. That's how you know Darth Vader could be redeemed because he only sort of choked a guy. Kind of tossed him backwards. Yeah. Yeah. 
On the vehicle, the uh, troops realize, or the troops are theorizing why there aren't any women on Ararat, mostly just to keep them in line and stuff, when the Skull Posse attacks. Ah, snap. I guess we're going to have, like, a pretty easy time dispatching these dudes. About a page. Luckily, Bad Company's way better at fighting than the Skull Posse, so they're able to (laughs) kick them out, like, pretty much automatically. Um especially combined with some reckless driving from Mad Tommy. Right. So they just sort of just straight up avoid the ambush. Like Bonehead tried to jump aboard their, their car, but got knocked off and accidentally shoots himself in the hand with his crossbow. Uh, Which really makes him upset. <laughs> like yeah, a swears lot. revenge and stuff. And then that night, they're back where Malcolm died in that blitz bubble, and Danny's feeling a lot of remorse, wishing he was mad like Tommy or bad like Thrax, instead of just being himself and being sad. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's that's your kind of... Like, everybody's got their own thing on this team. Maybe you're just sad Tommy. It's certainly possible. Sad Danny, please. No, um, sad Danny, my bad. Yeah. He goes to say a few words over Malcolm's um, grave, but the grave is empty. Malcolm's gone. Oh, my God. And he didn't take his gun, so he's probably a, a zombie. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, next prog, there's a lot of theorizing about what could have happened to to uh, Malcolm, but every, but Danny's pretty sure he's a zombie. You know, it seems pretty <laughs> o- obvious. I mean, me, once you invoke Occam's razor for it, he's just like, look, man, we've already seen, like, zombies would already be complicated had they not been seen already yeah definitely so kano's reflecting on this situation too we kind of like thrax says they should just like pith all the uh all the all the dead of air rap that would take months so just instead (laughs) gotta find a way to deal with all this stuff and that's by getting sector eight and blocking the zombie beat god when they arrive at Sector 8, Danny and his new buddy Mac have kind of a chuckle to themselves about how weak and scared all these regular soldiers look. And then realize that they've basically changed and become tough, bad company men themselves. Oh my god, we were totally saying those same things when Whoa. we were there and whatever. This role reversal. We fought monsters and became monsters, bro. It's Nietzsche and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So the officers have all been killed on this base, and there's going to be a replacement of Lord Ireland, who's one of the elite, but he's still four days away, and that okay. gives them plenty of time to operate on the equipment to stop the beat. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a screwdriver on this like keypad. Another guy's gonna wear some headphones and look at some lights turn on and off on a screen. For all I know, that's all that's all you need. Um, with nothing to do, Danny just writes in his diary, and uh, some trooper shows him a picture of his girl Vera back home. But suddenly, figures appear on the horizon. Oh, it's the Skull Posse and their sweet armored bird horses. Whoa! <laughs> they they are pretty weird looking. Like yeah, they're just so meaty. Definitely very meaty uh, 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 armored bird horses here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I Bonehead. am a bird horse. Bonehead talks real tough, calling them foul effluvium, and gives this a big old pre-battle speech and stuff, when suddenly the zombie beat starts up too. And the crew are attacking. Oh, there's a lot happening, and Danny seems pretty cool about it. Just more soft skin to be burst. God damn, it's just a whole Game of Thrones thing going on right now. 
Yeah, turn off the brightness on your TV sets. Uh, he said in a joke that would make no sense when this episode actually comes out because it's like two months later. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> Did you see what the what the uh, guy responded to about that on Twitter? Like there was um, one of the editors for that show or for that specific episode. Like I remember there being a lot of like either hemming and hawing of like, oh, like you got to watch it on a good TV or like it was meant to be watched with your lights turned off and a bunch of other things. But like, mm-hmm. come on, man. Like I'm trying to, I'm like, you know, yeah, so, I'm not going to change the settings on my TV to watch one episode of a TV show, man. Yeah, I'm busy kind man. of. So <laughs> at least the gist that I got was it's like, hey, like just, you know, fiddle with your settings and shit. My backlight was completely turned up. Like everything was turned up for me. It just so happened to be that I was watching during the day and then someone else came out and was just like, well, it's was the artistic integrity of the thing. Like, really? Nah. Yeah, I'm just, I want to watch your show, goddammit. That's right. And speaking of artists being, um, making sacrifices for their work, Fox. Oh, my God. It's Thrill 2, Judge Dredd. Oh, he's, this one's so good. And it Isn't lasts it good, the whole thing. Yeah, good little miniseries here. Script by John Wagner and Alan Grant. Art robot Cam Kennedy and Mike Farmer on inks. Letting robot Tom Frank. Can I, I mean, we'll get to it, but yeah, I love how this one ends. Oh, definitely. Yeah. One of the few people that actually gets away with it in, I know. Uh, in the history of Judge Dredd. Oh, he'd be so deserving. He's such a nice yeah. boy. Absolutely. I mean, I um, guess not that deserving. He's definitely a criminal. <laughs> I mean, he does what he does. You know, he got in a tough situation. Yeah. Um, so Cam Kennedy's on art here, a big story about life and times in Mega City One, which are always some of my favorites. Late at night, Fox, there's a knock on the door and an old man answers it. There, standing there, is Don Giovanni Lambretta. Hey, piacere. Hey, his son, Paxo, was killed in a shootout with the Geek Street mob, and he wants the old guy, Sardini, to stuff him, because he's a master taxidermist. (laughs) Stuff of them are good, uh, uh, and, are God, re- and make really, a real nice to see. Uh. <laughs> they really just—they've been saving this. I, you know, I feel like like Wagner Grant just get like this itch to be like we want to really pull out those Italian accents. You know, this is definitely one of those one of those other things that I feel like they think is really funny because it keeps coming back up. You know, right? It's. Uh... It's one, it's one of the more weirder recurring things. I'm, yeah, this one I'm 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 pretty much okay with, but like whatever. Oh yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. so Sardini objects to this situation. He can't work on bodies without official death certificates. But a couple good death threats from the Don you know, makes him <laughs> agree to get it done by Thursday. <laughs> and of course, Fox, all of this is real similar to like the first Godfather movie. I'm sure you or you might remember, like yep. you know. Because the opening of The Godfather is this guy sort of going to Don Corleone, is an undertaker going to Don Corleone asking for help with this guy that was like, you know, um, uh, abused his daughter and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then later, the um, they go back to that guy to uh, fix up James Caan after, after they massacred my boy. <laughs> Look at my boy, they made a massacre. Oh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Terrible impression, Fox. I can't do it. That was. Please keep that in. In my head, it sounded really great, but when I, I tried to, I tried to do it. When in I person, heard it, it sounded fantastic. Went real bad. Anyway, yeah, no, of course, leave it in. Whatever. Um, Jesus. But 
Anyhow, so he's got to fix up these bodies. Um, meanwhile, oh, and I should say that as well as just his son, they also um, took like three, like two top members of the yeah. Street Gang. And while it's not what actually happened, the Don wants them to be posed in such a way that makes it look like uh, Paxo went down fighting instead of that he just kind of got ambushed at a uh, restaurant. It's, uh, yeah, the finished product is going to be a masterpiece. Yeah. Meanwhile, at that restaurant, the bloated cope corpse bar dreads oh investigating God. a mob shooting and notices that at least three bodies are missing from the scene, <laughs> which is pretty weird, to be honest. But he's on the case. I love that the uh, van that takes the dead people to the taxidermist is called Stiff Hall. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we, we cut then to um, Sardini at work. And we just kind of learned that basically if you're rich enough in Mega City 1, you can have your loved ones spared from recycle. And generally then a taxidermist like Sardini comes in and stuffs and mounts them in cool poses, you know? I love that, like, it's my favorite conversation that feels like it would have happened in a parlor room. It's like, you know... Uh, just the head, ma'am. Uh, head and shoulders, please, on a mockwood plaque for the wall. Mrs. And then he up, yeah. Mrs. Philpot had her mother done that way. It looked ever so, so tasteful. Yes, tasteful. But then he managed to upsell her to a full body. Like, that's good uh, taxidermy work. Right? You know? Well, Got it's going to be all the rage down. this season. Yeah. Anyhow, we then get a good look at the gross insides of the taxidermist lab, bad times. And that night, after everyone goes home, Sardini gets up and goes to work on the mob job. Yay, then we get to have a full color on, have the disgusting world of, of yeah. sucking out all your guts. Yeah, in-depth modern taxidermy. Yes, Sardini removes the body's skins and sends the remaining guts to Recyc. And as he does this, I should say he's reminiscing about the time he was in the Olympics and won the gold medal for taxidermy. Bronze. Should have been and gold. We'll see him up. We'll learn, learn more about this soon. Uh, yeah. The bodies are filled with a styrene foam and then given like fake teeth and glass eyes and stuff Jesus. like that as well. Just kind of give them full body stuff. Meanwhile, Dredd is investigating this murder. He's questioning Curly Geek about his missing brothers, Joe and Moe, and uh, seems to tip that they were gunned down at the bloated corpse. Geek oh, isn't, ain't saying nothing and gets three years for withholding evidence. Meanwhile, at the mansion of Don Giovanni, where the God, we see the Godfather having to explain about the dead Paxo to his mom. Oh, he's dead. My Paxo's dead. Oh, God. <laughs> he swears revenge and have his goons get all their weapons together because they're going hunting. Well, specifically his two other sons, Mikey and Scooter. <laughs> Absolutely. The city's turning into a boiling pot of mob vengeance as Dredd tries to investigate. Um, he locks up the Don's mama for withholding evidence. Ugh. And Dredd then bursts into the Geek's club and either arrests or puts into protective custody the rest of the Geek gang and then sets up judges to ambush the Lambretta gang before they can attack. I love how uh, everybody's like, ah, oh, shit, judges are coming, like, ditch your weapons. And then one guy is just like, nah, man, like, it could be a trick. And then just, Dredd just Dredd comes Dredd in kicks, shooting, <laughs> just shoots him right in the face. It's the yeah. only casualty from the thing. And his only comment is should have dropped it. You know, they, they, they don't play around, buddy. They're mega city judges, you know. God, like, just don't just don't be. Just don't do anything around them, really. Don't even loiter. Yeah. 
No, just, you know, do it, do it the signs say and don't make eye contact. Um, so, so Dredd's waiting on Geek Street as the Godfather's mob arrives. They try to run down Dredd, and this leads to a oh. pretty awesome firefight between gangsters and Justice Department forces. Excellent Cam Kennedy art, art here, just these cool action scenes. The Godfather is killed, and only three Lambretta goons at all survive, um, and they surrender to the judges as well. Meanwhile... Oh, man. Sardine. The finishing touches, man. Yeah, he's finished his work showing Paxo Lambretta gunning down the geeks complete with realistic bullet impacts and stuff. It's really awesome. He's really proud of like each of his works. He's like adjusting the gun and where things are going to fire. Yeah, it'd be a lovely centerpiece to any living room. He says it's his best work since the Olympics, which he would have won if those Germans hadn't gone for cheap theatrics with the birth of Adolf Hitler. Ridiculous. What the fuck? Uh, He goes to bed, but then when he wakes up, he gets the bad news. The Don is dead, and everyone else involved with the gang is also either dead or arrested. Oh, man. I just did all this work. What the fuck am I going to do? Yeah, no one wants these bodies anymore, and he's basically just being left holding the bag with all the evidence for this murder. No. So, with the gangsters out of the way, Sardini's got to get rid of these bodies. You know, it's simple enough just to sort of de-skin them and melt the styrene foam down from the insides of the bodies, but he's also got to destroy their clothes and skins. Yeah, that's the hard part. So, well, hey, I got this industrial-sized you know uh, yeah, garbage, uh, garbage thing let's just do that it works mostly but then it finally breaks down after he's destroyed all the clothes and stuff and he's still got to get rid of these skins oh god and they just he he has to take the skin out and it's kind of like all floppy and droopy but it's yeah. slightly cut up it's they just can't like a big throw it set into along. the recycle bin for like reasons you know well because the recycle would like look at it Right. I'd imagine they'd like catalog at a recycle and be like, hey, like these can't, I can't help but notice that you got some skins from some missing murder victims here, Sardini. Like, what's right. going on here? Um, so instead, he goes to take them to the public grinder in the middle of the mall. <laughs> Which um, is usually fine, except that it's nighttime now. Yeah, it's the dead of night. He goes there, and as he does, he gets, um, assa- he gets assaulted by some no good street toughs. Oh, man, but. Just and in time, lights on. It's dread. Yeah, he keeps them from trying to steal the skin. He snags the parcel, kicks the crap out of these dudes, and brings it back to, to Sardini. When the taxidermist says it's just garbage, Dread puts the package into the grinder himself. Dude. Sardini heads home. He's escaped the law, and the fate of Paxo Lambretta and the Geek Brothers will forever remain a mystery. The end. Oh my God! So awesome. Yeah. The uh, so Jacob Sardini, the taxidermist, will return to the Judge Dredd magazine in 1993. Cool. Um, when it when he returns, it's another one of my favorite uh, Dredd stories because he goes back to the Olympics for taxidermy. It's going to be great. What? <laughs> Which just generally gets us a, a general view of the uh, of the mega city of, of like the the mega city era Olympics and oh man they're ridiculous oh man that's the great arts, yeah the arts by Ian Gibson it's a really it's a really fun story really looking forward to get to get into it cool yeah um, and speaking of exciting things that we'll get to eventually it's thrill three slain mm. oh yeah. 
Yeah, script wrote by Pat Mills, art wrote by Glenn Fabry, letting wrote by Steve Potter. So, Dude, daddy's, daddy's coming okay. home, baby. Yeah, buddy. It's coming home. It's coming home. Anyhow, uh, Quagslime, <laughs> local leader of the Fomorian Sea Raiders, is off to collect t- taxes from local tribes as the people of Slane's village beg for food. The king, Rago, looks on this unhappily and tells his wife, Megrim, that now that... Um, so, let, let's you know that, that he's going to die tomorrow before the seven years of his term are up because he's failed his people so completely. He hopes that the new king will be able to do better. I mean, they kind of run in circles around this, but eventually the big reveal happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. Megram tries to talk it out of this, but quickly sh- shifts to mocking him and admitting <sighs> that she's actually Maeve, the chick from the Burning Man back in the 340 Progs. Which hey, you sure, guessed last not? episode, Fox, which I was pretty stoked about. Good good memory there. Um, or putting <laughs> things together, I guess. Um, she's put a glamour on Raggle and forced him to capitulate to the Fomorians. We then see the ritual sacrifice of Raggle and the narration boxes explain how the flow of blood from the, from the executed king will indicate the new king. It's, it's kind of a whole cool thing. Yeah. Where he's like, he's really into returning to the Earth Goddess now that he's been gutted and like crawling around on the floor. And just everybody who's looking on is like, I really hope I'm not king. I really hope I'm not king. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the one person who is stoked about it to be king, though, is Megrim. And the blood's going right for her. Oh, my God. Let me put my arms up in triumph already. I'm yeah, feeling she's... pretty good about it. She starts making a victory speech and everything when suddenly the blood veers to the side and pulls at the feet of that goddamn slain. Slain's your new king. Dude, the druid screamed it, so it must be true. Yeah. Raggle dies in Slane's arm as arms as he promises to bring his people back to glory. And in town, some locals argue against having, you know, wandering adventurer Slane become king. But the doubters are quickly silenced by headbutts from the man that raised slain, Mongan Axehead. Who has the coolest tiny mustache. He's got a tiny mustache. He's just all of his face is like just takes up a quarter of his head. It's pretty excellent. Oh, it's uh. so great. And just that just gives you so much more fucking brain ball to headbutt someone with, right? Absolutely. Yeah, he's got a big old palette for paint and blood with his, with his headbutts. <laughs> Things are getting tense when Slain says to save their energy to fight the Fomorians. And to help with that, he breaks out the Cauldron of Plenty. Hey, stick a fork in. Mutton comes out. Good times. Soon everybody's eating their fill. And it's party party time because I guess the warriors still have to vote on who's going to be king, I guess. But this has definitely earned him points in that direction. I mean, and the blood pointed at him, right? Yeah. He's got got a lot of positives here. Anyhow, there's a big party, complete with Ucko doing some stand-up comedy. He just roasts everybody. He says, uh, um, the mythical beast, the bicorn, is fat because it eats henpecked husbands, while the um, chichive is a starving beast because it only eats obedient wives. Oh! No! Good times, unless, um, at least until we see uh, Megrim slash Maeve plotting with some weird evil monster. The end of Slain! Oh my god. Though, I mean, we're, we're just taking a quick break here, Fox. Slain will be back in Prague 517. Okay, sweet. Man, only seven issues. Yeah, on just that. a little 
little little little break just to break things up. But yeah, real fun stuff here. Excited for Slain to be king. Excited for what Slain's gonna do as king. There's a lot going on here. They also um, one thing that you might have missed or that is easy to miss here. <clears throat> Is that while Raggle was killed, you know, was sacrificed early, um, even if you're a regular king, you serve for seven years and then you're killed. Like, yeah. there is kind of a bloody end for, for kings no matter <laughs> what in, uh, in Slane's world. Which, uh, you know, all right. I mean, maybe Slane just really hardcore wants to be king for seven years and then die. Something to keep in mind for sure. I mean, or you know, he's gonna he's gonna run for some kind of re-election, mouse his way through it, or get yeah. oh no, he just get kicked out again. Maybe he just sleeps Ooh. with an even bigger guy's wife. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to find out for sure. Um, <laughs> Seems more of in his wheelhouse. So yeah, definitely. And hey, uh, speaking of uh, exciting offers for readers, it's non thrills, covers, and nerve center. Great, know, whatever. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> Prog 507, you want to end up in a tin, Sardini? Uh And joke reused inside the comics, by the way. (laughs) Mega City mobsters are the big fish in a Steve Dillon cover. And I just love how Dredd's face just kind of looms in the background of this one. It's real good. Yeah. You know, kind of looms over the story in general as well, so it sort of works out. In the Nerve Center, Tharg suggests that fan art be only done in ink. And there are pictures of hmm. uh, Tharg Thrax and Judge Cthulhu. Huh. Uh, it's a very different feeling Cthulhu than, uh, than what we got these days. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, the look hasn't been standardized yet, so it can be kind of mm. weird. Um, in the Nerve Center, th- oh, sorry, blah, blah, blah. Um, letters ask for a comic shop location in Shrewsbury for the name of the jigsaw disease, some crazy Scottish letters, oh. and a hard question about the coarsening of Slane's character over the years. Tharg blames the influence of Ucko. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in Prague 508, war zombies, bury them. It's the hateful dead in bad company in a b- neat Brett Ewan's cover. I didn't realize that Kano is green. Yeah, he's kind of a bluish green. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He's a tealman. Yeah. I love how uh, how gross and, and bluish these zombies are, too. You know, you oh, yeah. And they're just things. so goopy. And one of them's like vomiting. Yeah. Bad times. <laughs> Um, in the Nerve Center, Tharg lets us know that editorial droid Sim 1 has died, mostly owing to IRL Simon Geller transitioning to a writing role instead of an, an editorial one. Uh, Mac 2 is on his way. There's Sweet. Also a picture of Strontium WC, a toilet, a, a toilet bounty hunter, and uh. Uh, Dread's dark secret, in this case, that he's Ace Garp under the helmet. Boo! Oh, man. He's even got the nub cut off, too, so... Yeah. The letters are full of errors and complaints about reused titles and other stuff in 2000 AD, which mm. all serves as an indictment of Sim 1's tenure as sub-editor. Damn. <laughs> Burn, take it all on your way out, buddy. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Prog 509. They, um, John <laughs> Red in They Just Blue. If there's a price on your head, it's curtains for you. Watch your neck wow. in this Ascaristrontium Jog cover because the lady is a vamp. <laughs> Watch your neck, lover boy. Mm. 
In the nerve center, Tharg says that the uh, Fabry art droid has malfunctioned and is taking some time off. So instead, they're spinning up the Bellardinelli droid for the dead n- next week. Ooh. <laughs> There's a picture of Strontium of a Strontium Halo Jones <laughs> and another Dreads Dark Secret, this case, that he's burnt. Um, Great. Letters include a mom that sent a complete scent of 2000 AD to their son in Hong Kong, and an explanation of Credo um, and of Thug's hairstyle, and, an, and an, a, an establishment of the Mutant Liberation League for Mega City One. That letter comes from inside an ISO cube. <laughs> Mid Prog, there's an ad for a Short Circuit, which I'm pretty excited about. That's a fun Dude, 80s movie. Dude, it's so good, except for, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, it's got guy. some negatives. Yeah, <laughs> lost some stuff in uh, in the in the ensuing years for sure. Got my poo problem, whatever. Um, <laughs> I definitely feel like if if you enjoyed that film, you might like Batteries Not Included, mm-hmm. which has a I lot actually, less of that. Yeah, I saw uh, Short Circuit two before I saw the first Short Circuit. Just sort of really idea of, of my personal what? timeline. Yeah, what? Crazy. <laughs> got, no, I mean, well, because that might not be your fault, but also it's got to be weird seeing. The kind of worse one uh, before. I mean, it's one of those things where I think I, I don't think I was old enough really to see the first one when it when it was in the theaters, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't um, like as much stuff on video. Like it took years for. Yeah, stuff to no, it's video. true. So there could be situations where there'd be a fun new comedy, but if you hadn't seen it before, you just kind of got to jump in. You know, that's why you you have those like catch up things like yeah. previously on in those movies. You know. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay. There's much less of that in modern movies, you know. Like they, they, no. they, they don't they don't do a ton in Avengers to let you know about like what happened in the previous <laughs> um, Marvel movies, for instance. You know, you, you got to know, otherwise you're in trouble. Uh, <laughs> or you're just going in saying, "Why does everyone like these dang Marvel movies?" Yeah. Or you've seen them all and you still don't remember them because you're my dad. But anyway. Oh um, God. I mean, Prog I remember five, some things. Oh, yeah, you got something going on. Whatever. We always have to debrief after he watches these superhero movies. Um, <laughs> Prog 510, going out of your skull, fall in with bad company. Brett Ewins draws Kano and a skull, buddy. Good times. Yeah, I like skulls. You know, totally. just around. means you're a pretty cool dude. Definitely. Got in the a nerve real center, skull. <laughs> in the nerve center, Tharg says that the Belladrinelli droid has received his 10-year minion of Tharg test. Which reminds us, of course, that next episode we'll be covering the 10-year calendar anniversary of 2018. We're still a couple episodes out from 520, which is sort of the 10 years of Prague's anniversary, which is the big one at this point. Okay. There's pictures of a Tharg Kano, and that Kano's secret is those boxes full of a bunch of 2000 ADs. Oh. I mean, that would be a horrible twist. Oh, Yeah. No good. Uh, letters ask for a reprint of Prague 1 for the 10th anniversary. And, of course, Tharg reminds us that he reprinted Prague 1 already for Prague 300. Get out of oh here. Oh, my gosh. Um, a kid tries to claim a prize for reading 2000 AD on top of the CN Tower in Canada at the time, one of the tallest uh, buildings on Earth. Okay. But, yeah, but Tharg says that any place you could, that, that you've gotten to via elevator doesn't count. For the tower to count, you've had to climb the outside of the tower uh, using I mean, Sherpas and stuff. What? <laughs> or, or however else. You know, I don't know how you do I it. I mean, that's that, true. I was hoping for like... You know, you gotta you gotta snap on those um, suction cups that are also like hand and yeah. feet things. You totally, know? I'm just saying. I mean, he's just saying one way or another. Like, you know, if you just like, there's a difference between 
reading 2000 AD on top of a mountain you've climbed and on top of a building you've taken an elevator to the top of in terms of mm. you know, achievement. I mean, you know, was it an achievement that they were born during a time that, that look, elevators for me, like you couldn't do that in ancient Greece. And we've been working so hard to get like higher up on things using less energy. Stairs used to be a thing. Then there were escalators. I think that came after those things. But no one, everyone should take elevators. God damn it. What did your uh, people fight for? Why did they die? Not to make more stairs. I'm loving this elevator hot tub for sure. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I just like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have Tharg here fucking like yeah. chastise technology when you know you take any dingus from the past into the future. They're gonna be like, how is this box moving up? Totally, yeah. I mean, that's fair, absolutely. Ain't no I was sure saying if I want to fucking buddy. walk all the way on top of that goddamn mountain if they could take an elevator. That's true. They'd take an elevator to the top of Mount Everest in a second. <laughs> Sorry. There's, all, All right, there's, also, there's also letters with questions about the weirdness of cruel design and asks for uh, and uh, there's a request from Tharg at the bottom of this letters page um, asking for, 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 for people to send in what they think 2000 AD will look like in the year 2000. Will the name change? Will Dread still be around? Will there be a new logo? Send in for prizes. And the answers are yes, yes, and no. Wait, no, sorry, sorry. Um, wait, will it change its name? No. Will Dread be, still be around? Yes. Will there be a new logo? Yes. So sorry. No, yes, and yes. Live it up. <laughs> Beautiful. And with that, we, we're continuing the, uh, <gasps> al- the uh, Mega City Alphabet thing. So we're going to alternate. Fox, me, I'll me, go me, first. Me, me, me. Mm-hmm. M is for Magruder, who took that long walk. Monsteroso, the robot, who flattened a block. M's Melda, Maria, and Mutie the pig. And Manta and Mugging, a crime that's quite big. Are you ready, Conrad? Give it to me, buddy. N is for Nosferatu. Write his name in blood. O is for Otto Sump. Write his name in mud. <laughs> o P. is also. Oh, sorry, sorry, I fucking got out of myself. Hold on, buddy. O is also Orlock, East Meg's top spy. He brought Block Mania and watched millions die. Well, that's pretty fucking. That's dark and awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. P is for perp. By and large rubes, cause it odds on they'll end up doing time in the cubes. Q is for questions. The judges ask lots. Where are you going? What's that you've got? Where were you last night? Where were you last week? Come on, better tell me. Cooperate, creep. R is for Rico. Judge dreads corrupt bread. R is for Rex Peters, who drank dinosaurs' blood. R is for Recyke, where good and bad end. No wreaths and no flowers. Just processing, friend. S is the big one. There's Satanus and Scrawlin'. Fuck yeah. There, uh, there's Statue of Justice and Silver and Solomon. There's Spikes Harvey Rotten and Sunday Night Fever and Citizen Snork. Boy, what a sneezer. There's <laughs> Super Surf 7. Now that was some race. The bodies were flying all over the place. Forgot about that guy with the fucking uh, grenade in his earring. Or yeah, man. Spikes from, from, from the Cursed Earth, man. Good times. Now on to T for Titan 
and Tweak. Rest in peace, Tweak. Mm. One a space prison, the other a freak. And Tony Tubbs, the first two-ton man. Look out if he's coming. Get clear if you can. U is for ugly, the strangest of crazes, and beautiful people wearing all kinds of faces. And U is Undercity, that dark world below, where only madmen and fools and judges will go. Man, like it was cool kind of reading this. I had almost forgotten about Tweak until I Pretty saw the picture. Classic, guys. Yeah, although yeah, Tweak man. did... Tweak did survive the cursed earth. For the record, he's alive and well on his home planet mm-hmm. as we speak. That's right. That's right. He's eating like the gems back on his home planet. Eating gemstones, pretending to be dumb for humans. Good times. Oh God! Is yeah? Isn't he like the king of their planet? <laughs> he was something. Yeah, I, I think so. Or like president or something like that. Absolutely. <laughs> he got he got elected on a um, uh, be dumb around humans campaign. You know. I mean, I feel like it's an important campaign. And hey, speaking of uh, presidents, Fox. Oh my God! <laughs> I didn't even see that one. It really, just just came up to me. It's Thrill Four Strontium Dog. Oh God, she's just so. I'm in love with Durham Red. I'm sorry. It's fair. Ah, oh, she's uh, so she's so great. I can't mm-hmm. wait for her eventual double cross. <laughs> it's gonna sure. be hot. It's going to yeah. be a hot double cross. I'm sorry. It's pretty solid. Yeah, man. Script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art robot Carlos Escara. Letting robot Gordon Robson. This kid Robson. So, Fox. Stop <laughs> drinking the blood of that guy, goddammit. Yeah. Last episode, we saw sexy-ass vampire bounty hunter Durham Red stalk and kill an escaped convict after stunning our buddy Johnny Alpha. Yeah, well, hey. And here's the real kicker. She's like, oh, don't worry. You know, dinner's over with. Thanks for the thanks for the drink. Uh, you can have him. Yeah, Durham Red. Uh, you know Johnny Alpha doesn't like Red's methods, but Red makes some pretty salient points about how her drinking blood isn't super different from Johnny killing and collecting bounties on people. Like you know? thousands of people dead. Yeah, like it's you know it's a whole thing. And for all that, Johnny does kind of admire her for several reasons. If you take my meaning. Oh my God! No, he's definitely he's got a little he's got a little thing for her. I like it. Yeah. Johnny collects his bounties and heads out. On the shuttle home, though, Red's also aboard and meets Johnny in his cabin. She's got a lead on a big job worth maybe 10 million creds, if, and they can split it. Hey, sure, why not? Yeah, because it seems, Fox, there's been a kidnapping, a time job, and President <laughs> Reagan has been kidnapped. The fuck? <laughs> this is just so stupid. Cut to September 1987. Oh, God. Landing in Moscow. Yeah. Air Force One lands in Moscow for a historic meeting between uh, Premier Gorbachev and President Ronald Reagan. Reagan has arrived with his wife, Nancy, and seems pretty agreeable, if confused about things generally. You know, Uh, um, whatever. Just like a deaf or can't see or just like fucking confused about everything. Yeah, just a lot of like 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 mishearing of things like, oh, we're here for pee for peace. Peas? I don't like peas. Yeah, it's weird. It's I don't know. I'd like maybe senality was just like a thing. Uh, that I mean, people made was, fun of him for. Yeah, this is definitely a big joke in this era of of Reagan for sure. Okay. Um so um 
At the U.S. Embassy, Reagan's getting paranoid about his lame duck status. And when suddenly a trio of aliens arrive in the lobby. Oh, man, that'll spice things up, I guess. Seriously. They start knocking people out, shooting embassy guards and stuff. And then they go into the presidential suite and slam the door on Ronnie. Oh, my God. Almost take Nancy with them, but instead just grab Ronald Reagan, who thinks they're just wearing costumes, and then teleport away. Hey, sure, why not? <laughs> in uh, in in, Hab- in Habakaka City, on planet Kayak, alien terrorists return to the present with President Ronald Reagan. He's sure they're wearing funny masks and get punched in the face for his trouble. The kayaks Which... are not impressed by him. No, but apparently people love him, so... Yeah. Um, they explained they explained that their Kayakos K, the freedom movement for the kayak people, terrorists. Yeah, Reagan assumes they're terrorists and affiliated with that no good Muammar Gaddafi. Oh God! But he's like, get out of here, Gaddafi! I know it's yeah, you. Just looking under <laughs> tables and stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh God! But there's no time for this as human security forces are on their way. They've sort of taken control of a time room and used it to grab Reagan. Um, Red is explaining all this to Johnny on the spaceship on their way to Kayak. Mm. Um, and basically, yeah, they're going to get Reagan. But, you know, b- b- basically they got to save Reagan because if they don't and he dies or something, it'll mess with history as we saw in, in the right. Ragnarok job and all that stuff. Luckily, Red has a lead on an Esper woman that can help them find Reagan easily. Uh, but she needs Johnny there because the locals are really into this freedom movement. So she needs some muscle. <laughs> uh, 60-40? 50-50. Despite her bad rep, five million credits is a lot. So Johnny's in. And they quickly arrive at Havocac Spaceport. Hey, why quickly- not? Yeah, and they're quickly harassed by some fellow Strontium dogs, namely Doc Death, Winston Fearsome, and Stock Eye. And Man, Doc Stock Eye is clearly my favorite. Yeah, Doc Death's kind of a skull dude. Fearsome's got like a, a, an ear on his forehead, and Stock Eye's got a Stock Eye, buddy. Eye on a stock <laughs> coming out of his forehead. <laughs> and a cool uh, goatee kind of thing going on. Yeah. Competition, of course, was inevitable. And when Red and Alpha hail a hover rickshaw, they quickly see that they've got company. Man, this hover rickshaw gets me a little concerned, especially because one of the places they go is Hang Kang. Mm. Yeah, we learn about Kayak. Um, once ruled by natives over the last 40 years, humans have taken control of the place completely. Their culture and land has been overwritten by the humans, and the government is now kowtowing to their colonial masters. So, Kayak K is here to get their planet back. Although Reagan is sure that it's actually a plot by that nefarious George Bush to get his, uh, to get his presidency. Mm. And that's George H.W. Bush, I should mention, who will, of course, be president after Reagan. So it looks uh. like his plan worked. and i was also trying to think about what they what these guys reminded me of and they look a little bit like the gorillas kind of yeah they they've got kind of a weird like smooth look and stuff like that Mm. they aren't human for well and the the, the, like white empty eyes you know what i mean Mm, yeah definitely reagan is 
desperate to not be kidnapped, he offers them the deed to his ranch, a signed photo of him and Frank Sinatra, <laughs> even tickets to bedtime for Bonzo, which is apparently just constantly running in the United States, I guess. I mean, if I if I were president and had unlimited power, as it seems presidents sometimes do, I'd have the movie that I starred in constantly running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know Home Alone 2 is constantly running here in the States now. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> That's um, great. I, I feel like no one's going to get that. Well, I mean. You know, it was that it's, weird it's, hotel it's moment, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, Trump's in. Uh, when he's still know, at Home Alone 2. I mean, something. I don't know. That's a weird situation. I don't want to talk. <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Um, anyway. Meanwhile, the terrorists slash freedom fighters have heard that the strong team dogs have arrived. And so they go to move Reagan through the tunnels under the city. Oh, um, yeah. And then um, meanwhile, the various strongs are having a, co- a hover rickshaw race through a crowded marketplace. <laughs> it's all pretty cool. This is what you imagine it would be, basically. Yeah. Um, Hold on to this a- bridge, jump over, kick him, like dry, get the drop on their rickshaw. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Alpha jumps onto Doc Death and uh, Winston's uh, rickshaw, and but and, and takes them out quickly, and then turns to see that Durham is about is going for Stalk for Stalk Eye's blood. Watch out! Hey, man. I mean, <laughs> like this could be a misunderstanding. We should see if it, you know, whatever. Next time on Strontium Dog, dogs dinner. Okay, Whoa. but I mean that just <laughs> that doesn't. Means she's drinking his blood, right? Like that's just anyway. This is fantastic. I'm loving it. Yeah, man. I love it. I mean, I I love anything that that results in a chase through a crowded marketplace street. Yeah. Um. No good. Uh. Good space rickshaw action. Um. I really like just the um. You know, just bringing like Reagan in is such a ridiculous thing that I think it's just really hilarious. You know, just like. <laughs> caricature of 1987 Reagan just sort of like being pulled into this ridiculous alien hostage situation. Right. Which is the reason that the slapstick comedy kind of works. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's just kind of, you would expect the president to be serious. He's being pulled into a situation. We find out that he's kind of a fucking like just vapid personality. Uh, <laughs> and so now it's less that he's like a, a an opportunity for them and more like a fucking albatross you know right exactly that's, that's the comedy <laughs> yeah you 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 gotta wrangle reagan a problem for both uh kayak k and eventually for our our heroes you know so you know just uh yeah just a wink and a nod to if they want to start a scarp back up again <laughs> Still, this is such a uh, an off the wall story that it's one that I've I feel like I always mention when I when I just want to say some weird non sequitur about um, 2000 AD stories. You like there was that time that that, that vampire uh, helped save time traveling Reagan. You know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is it is a very good non sequitur. I just I, yeah. you know it's so good. Trying to dodge is never bad. It, yeah. Definitely. Um, and hey, um, with and speaking of exciting new adventures, Fox. Oh, it's Thrill Five: The Dead. Ooh, ooh, yeah, the thing that uh, I thought was just a fucking future shock. Before this episode, we were talking about things vaguely, and and, and Fox was like, yeah, I like I liked a lot of like like the non the non main thrill stuff, like like that dead. That's a crazy future shock. I was like, that's not a future shock, buddy. 
Oh man, we're getting into it. I'm so <laughs> I'm happy because it was the weird thing that I liked from the comic. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. Yeah, so uh, script about Peter Milligan, art about Massimo Bellardinelli, letting about Steve Potter. Uh, I think starting next episode, we might end up with a with a Milligan power hour in here, just well, to sort of. Oh you know, my god! Because he's writing Bad Company too, you know, just sort mm-hmm. of a, a, a a new guy getting getting kind of a rub here. But so we open on a human named Flood F L U D D. He's on Earth. He's two and a half thousand years old, and so is everybody else. Whoa! <laughs> Among some awesome Belladonelli cityscapes, we learn the future history of humanity. All humans are now immortal. There's nothing ir- irrepra- irreparable, untrans- untransplantable, and unrejuvenatable. Uh, Flood calls out unrejuvenatable as a made-up word, although my word processor is actually having trouble with the word um, irreparable as opposed to irreparable. But whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Flood is in danger of being uh, subversive for not being down with immortality. So in other words, this is a pretty fascist culture in that regard. So good thing that we're censoring people. Yeah, um, and we basically just see that like future humanity is weirdly baggy. They don't wear clothes. They got this weird cracked, baggy skin. Yeah, they don't have and genitals, all... but they do yeah, kind they're... of have masculine or feminine features. So yeah, they got like secondary characteristics, but not primary ones. <laughs> and they got all got a bunch of tentacles coming off the top of their heads. Well, that's so that they can plug into the goo machines. Def- yeah, definitely seems like, like it's for goo machines. <laughs> Anyhow, at first, immortality has a, is, is a big 200-year party. Everybody's a genius doing their genius work because, hey, man, it just takes time. And when you're immortal, it's all you got. You know, you could do like a crazy long-form podcast about a comic book that's got 2,000 progs. It's not even a big deal. Uh- <laughs> wow. I would, I would push uh, uh, the marijuana agenda in California while opening up farms to uh, grow marijuana and then start my own dispensary and then retire and then write a book. <laughs> okay, buddy. I just don't know if, like, once it's legalized, there's actually going to be a lot of room for the single-person farmer as opposed to when, when agribusiness starts throwing their weight around. But that's a discussion for another day, Fox. <laughs> I'm just... Uh... <laughs> I, I would then, uh, I guess, like, I like I don't even know what I do for two hundred years. I, I mean, get bored honestly, as fuck. Every, yeah, everybody living forever kind of means that everybody is retired. Honestly, like, yeah, you but know. then who's doing the stuff? Robots. It looks like that's true. They do just plug their their brain gizzards into the fucking like goo machines. That's really weird. Yeah. They can even talk while it's happening. Really makes it's me pretty crazy, man. Makes me very yeah. uncomfortable. This whole thing. <laughs> yeah, but basically, what it is is you get rejuved every fifty years or so. Actual death, like I guess if somebody stabs you or something, is just sort of a temporary illness. But Flood's an outsider through all this. He's not down with immortality, really. Um, he's getting very close to correctionalization, which, which... is being locked up in a suspension tube for the rest of eternity. And he's like, why not just kill them? And they're like, that's disgusting. No one dies. No one dies. Yeah, that's gross. That, so in um, other words, you'd keep them in perpetual like stasis. That's better. Yeah. You know, that's Listen, whole, that's just not sound you, great. You sound a lot like Flood here, buddy, pointing out the other rod at the roots of our immortal civilization. <laughs> I don't know if that's cool. Um, 
But at, after 200 years, people are just kind of keeping going. It stopped being fun to live forever. Instead, it just kind of is. <laughs> no one really does anything for 2,000 years until the demons arrive. I mean, it just as soon as somebody fucking says it, a dude's like head explodes and literally something larger than what could be contained in his body oh, that yeah. I can only call a mucus, uh, uh, I don't know, meat bug volcano yeah, comes out. Yeah, seems reasonable. Yeah, all these bug volcanoes pretty awesomely drawn by Baldinelli oh. as well. Oh, yeah, that's know. right. Him going back to his prog one status of yeah, just weird, gross have, aliens. Yeah. They do have some, some biog feels to mm. them, actually, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's real bad that, you know, these monsters are killing everybody. There doesn't seem to be a cure. The immortals just kind of plan to wait them out, I guess. Twitch. Just sort of like, we're here forever. <laughs> um, humans start building barricades, flood included, when a demon beast bursts out of his side. Ouch. Yeah, bad times. Unlike everybody else, though, Flood feels something stirring within him, and the beast suddenly withers away and dies. <gasps> Yeah, Flood wakes up in the Council of the Elites. There's something special about him. They say that when he was unconscious, he spoke in an otherworldly voice from the other side. The uh. land of the dead. The only way to stop the demons is for Flood to go over to that world and destroy them at the source. I, what? <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. Um, ridiculous situation, especially when the when one of the elites hits him in the head with a hammer and tries to kill him. And it's, pretty, it just doesn't work because they're it wouldn't work. Yeah, they're pretty tough because they're all immortal. You know, um, it's it's it, they're sort of argue about how they're going to kill him, and finally they all agree on just sort of teaming up and throwing him out a window. I mean, I <laughs> also just want to make note that it's interesting that the only people who are close in this entire society are these like three elite guys. Yeah, definitely. They, they got kind of fun vests. Mm-hmm. Um, but Flood tries to argue he's like a subversant, a subversive. He doesn't want to save humanity, but they just toss him out of there, and Flood falls to his death, and our story begins. Okay. Wow. Great. <laughs> I mean, next. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say next time on the Dead Root. I I mean, color me interested. I guess. I had mentioned to you before, this has like that returned Armageddon feel where I'm like, this is fucking interesting. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. bought in, especially now that I know it's not just like a fucking one-off because it, it acted and felt like one. That would be a really ridiculous like one-off end of just, they spend all this time talking about immortality and then the way to fix this thing is just to kill somebody and that's yeah. the end of it. <laughs> that's kind um, of what I got out of it. I'm just like, okay, well, I guess he's just dead now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say there's some pieces of that just because the opening, the story does start with this Peter Milligan, um, like, narration that, that, you know, lets you kind of feel how it's a similar, feel similarities to Bad Company mm. as sort of Flood kind of wakes up and realizes his situation and it becomes clear that he's actually narrating it from his, from his dying body at the yeah. end of this issue of the comic, you know? Exactly. Good stuff. I liked it. Yeah. And speaking of unlikely saviors, Fox. No. Oh. Thrill six. Future shocks. Man, this guy was weird. Yeah. Um, a, a trio of, uh, of future shocks here. Well, more than that, but three that are linked. We yes. start with uh, Maniac for Hire, script robot Grant Morrison, <laughs> art robot Johnny Johnstone as J-Cube, and letting robot Mar- uh, Mark King. 
Man, you know, Ulysses Sweet really sets up, like, exactly what he's going to do for a majority of our stay with him. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the uh, final work in the Prague for Johnny Johnstone, who did some work with uh, Return to Armageddon and Mean Arena back in the day. It's also the start of some slightly more long-form storytelling for Grant Morrison as we follow the adventures of Ulysses Sweet, Maniac for Hire, Have Riot, Will Travel! Why not? He's just completely destroyed a robot factory instead of just destroying a few robots as requested by the revolutionary anti-robot league. Um, They're not super stoked about his work, especially um, after another strike on a power station that destroyed a nearby city. But, uh, you know, Sweet never leaves leaves a job half done, I guess. (laughs) Um, They're now sending him out to cause a malfunction at the robot food processing plant. Oh, God. These people. And he he calls them wimps when when they say he can't take his nukes. The anti-robots are worried about Sweet's enthusiasm, but they're committed. So we cut to a, to a protest, complete with robot counter-protesters, which I like a lot. Oh, um, spare and, cog. And these guys are very um, like the anti-meat protesters in a Futurama. Oh, where yeah. Like, where their plans aren't very well thought out. They're just very strident. In that one, I remember they had a uh, had a lion that they had put on a vegan diet, and that lion does not look very healthy, you know? <laughs> I mean, we get to that a little bit in the next one where everyone's eating rocks. Indeed, indeed. Um, but so... <laughs> He helps out these protesters Basically, too much, man. Yeah, yeah. So there's an explosion goes off. It covers everybody in slimy food group goop. And at this point, the protest breaks down as the audience like starts to ask some reasonable questions in the concept of humans replacing robots on a world where all the menial and dirty jobs are done by robots. So it's like, what? Like, you're going to fix my car? Like, do you know how to do that, buddy? No. He's like, oh, we'll figure it out somehow. And this one guy's like, well, I, I've learned to whittle I whittled a dog. Isn't this nice? I can help anyone who needs some wood whittled. Exactly. Just a um, bit of an accent. Anyhow, the, uh, the crowd turns on the anti-robot league and just rips him limb from limb. Oh, God. Um, and we cut to the Tojo Mech Corporation, where we learn that Sweet's been working for the robots all along to take down the anti-robot league. Hey, sure. Great. We did it. Yeah, now but- we'll be like overlord masters of everything. Yeah, they congratulate Sweet, but he admits he never leaves a job half done, oh, and he no. does have all those spare nukes, uh, so he blows up the robots, too! Hey, sure, <laughs> I mean, he was there also, but he seems fine. I mean, he's built up sterner stuff than that, you know? Yeah, what's a nuke? Yeah, next up, Ulysses Sweet in Fruitcake and Veg. Oh, God. This one is Grant Grant Morrison, art robot Colin McNeil, letting robot Steve Potter. First time in the prog for Colin McNeil, who'll do some pretty iconic stuff for 2080 in the coming years, including um, America in the magazine. But anyhow, oh shit, son, it's the the Vegetable Liberation Front. Mind the oranges indeed. Um, (laughs) A bunch of armed terrorists on some random planet is here to free all the produce at a supermarket oh. vegetable section. They're freeing them from oppression. Then they release all of them to freedom, just basically dumping oh, like a God. thousand eggplants off the side of a cliff. <laughs> it's my favorite shot of the entire thing. 
It's just like them dumping bags onto a mountain of what is, a, I assume, rotting vegetables. Born free, as free as the grass grows. Wow. Literally. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, it's very similar. Like, I mean, this feels very 80s to me, this sort of thing where it's like, listen, like we're doing food stuff with our terrorism now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like free like cows from farms and just kind of let them loose. And then they, the, far, the cows are all like die of starvation or something like that. Like, I'm not sure <laughs> if, that, if that actually happened or if it's just an, an apocryphal story. But still, like it, it speaks to me as a Conrad. Well, I mean, there was that one... Um... That one thing that I believe it was New York or Philadelphia where all those tomatoes started attacking and killing people. Mmm. Different situation. Attack of the killer um, tomatoes. Attack. Yeah, and so... Of the, the killer uh, tomatoes. The, Sorry. I'm not so much. The vegetables fine. The Vegetable Liberation Front has a job for Ulysses Sweet, which is to rescue King Edward, monarch of the potato people of Plin. Oh, man. Kidnapped. By the dreaded Monsieur Fio. I mean, we knew what was going to happen to this potato at the end of this, right? Mm, pretty clear, yeah. The GLF <laughs> gives Sweet a ride to the planet, and since he's pretty hungry, they offer him an edible rock. Mmm, mm. tasty. It's like, tastes like a thousand-year-old green gauge. And they're like, hey, don't like be mean to green gauges, because our mascot, Walter, is one. Uh-huh. And, I th- and I, th- I think a green gauge is like a Brussels sprout? Sure. Fox? I'm gonna get in trouble for not knowing. I, I know. I that. mean, I um, it looks like a tiny tree to me. So, I, but I think it could be like on a stand or something like that. I yeah, don't maybe. know. You know, Conkers is, is played with hazelnuts. That's all I know. <laughs> um, the members of the of the Vegetable Liberation Front argue a bit about rock eating. Because, like, one, like, they don't taste good. Like, what happens in the bathroom's real rough. Yeah. And won't we get in trouble with the Mineral Liberation Front? <sighs> and luckily, they all died recently of starvation because of the not e- even eating rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, they arrive at the planet Drophane and nosedive into the main fortress. So great. They've managed to get to King Edward just right away. Quite. Of course, King Edward. Yeah, he's got a very Walter-like manner of speech. Um... But before they can save him, they must deal with the ninja skills of Monsieur Fio. I love that he has just a toothbrush in his hand because any inanimate object they said that he it's could get his hands weapon. on. Yeah, it's a deadly weapon. And, yeah. uh, and all of that fighting just takes place off camera, which I love. <laughs> Yes, yeah, very. I mean, a lot of diary writing, actually. Mm-hmm. As in our in the next prog, you, uh, Sweet is writing in his diary as we see Monsieur Fear just killing all the rest of the VLF members like crazy, just using whatever's lying around, washing up liquid, a feather duster, all kinds of stuff. Um, in his diary, Ulysses Sweet's talking about how much he loves violence and realizes, like, hey, I'm not going to stop writing this diary. There's <laughs> violence to be done. <laughs> Oh God! And so uh, he—it's now that like Monsieur Fear has destroyed all of his friends. It's just him. Uh, it's just man against man. Yeah. So he just straight up Indiana Joneses it, pulling out his thermo cannon and blowing him away right away. <laughs> I mean, it's a huge explosion. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good Sweet thing the king keep... was right next to him. Definitely. Sweet keeps talking about how much he loves violence as he fights his way off the planet, nuking it as he goes. Aboard the ship, it's just him and the Potato King Edward, and he's feeling quite peckish, if oh. you know what I mean. Hey, it's Sweet. He's back. Where's our our commander-in-chief? Oh, don't worry. Well, it's Got him right here. 
Does anybody got any salt and vinegar? Oh, he's turned the king into chips. Oh, no. Mm, I mean, delicious. I'd be asking for some some ketchup and mayo. You know, d- different structure, different folks. Call them fries here in the States, but he's Ooh, definitely no. chips because it's all or English. Some, or some HP sauce. You ever had brown Ooh. sauce? I don't know if I have. Oh, my I'm, God. I'm down for it. I, I can't tell. I, I Okay. So you want to be like fucking super British. Um, it's called HP brown sauce. It's, or it's just HP sauce. Maybe um, I'm always, yeah, it's just called HP sauce. It's a very savory sauce. Goes great with all sorts of things, man. I suggested on burgers or fries. Nice. Yeah. Sauce me up. Yeah, man. Um, anyway, that's the end of Ulysses sweet. Oh, no. Oh, that's it. But he's just gone forever. No, actually, he'll return for more ultraviolent action in Prague 1862 in the year 2014, Fox. Don't hold your breath. Oh, my God. (laughs) What the fuck? Why so far away? I don't know. This is kind of of a minor... Someone read back through the Prague's when they... I mean, it definitely... That it, it, it kind of seems like that to me, honestly. You know, yeah. I mean, Grant Morrison's about to move on to bigger and better things, and no one else really had anything. This like feels like a, at least a little bit uh, filler yeah. for us from the Lost Slain stories. Um, I mean, um, it's definitely. I mean, this is it's cute, but I definitely wouldn't make a series out of it. You know, I mean, they just. It seems like they they've uh, they found all the notes, and then at some point you just <laughs> run out of like ridiculous things for people to be um building terrorist groups around you know yeah i mean yeah the that running gag's gone and you know the punchline of every joke i'm gonna blow it up yep yeah you know fair enough so it comes in doesn't overstay it's welcome fine next up it's a mad mad world oh, yeah. mad, mad mad world um it's the um script about mike collins art about alan davis learning about mark king first time in a long time for alan davis here who's about to grace us with some more dr and quinches later in 87 but the, he, he, he you know he did like a dr and quinch and like harry 20 and all that mm-hmm. stuff of course mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this one a human is stuck on some kind of war world after his exploration starship Following a message of friendship and peace, crashed into a strange city. Now they're under attack from weird monsters. The remaining crew members are quickly killed. There's one guy left, and he's going to keep fighting until this city kills him. It's so harrowing. And he's also cursing the lies that, of peace that brought him here. <laughs> not realizing that he's actually in... Um, that actually he's on a cool world full of peace. He's just stuck in a psychotic juvenile's containment facility. <laughs> Which is a is is effectively built like an escape from New York esque, uh, like I don't know, just it's cityscape where just hell is. How how good can these aliens be if they just uh, trap all of their psychotic youths in a big prison to kill each other? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the psychotic sociopathic ones probably like. I- more humane yeah, like, than we might think. I mean, I don't. I don't feel like there's anything that where humane and left to fight each other to, to the death like sort of overlaps. <laughs> I'm honestly. just saying, if you're going to be king of the psychopaths, you'll probably rise up eventually and take over the planet, right? Oh yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Barbarian I king, said, man, the strongest mm-hmm. will survive and and destroy our 1,000 years of galactic peace. 
God, finally. Uh, right. I'll say also, this one kind of reminds me of that future shock from last episode uh, where they preserved that destroyed city sort of as, as a memorial yeah, or something like that. Yeah, but that and those guys like who were literally alive underneath the memorial came out and just fucking died. Yeah. Very much kind of people drinking from similar wells here. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, it's a prime suspect. Oh, this about great. Alex Stewart. Yeah, art about Dave White, letting her about Tom Frame. First work here from Alex Stewart, who'll also just go on to do some Future Shocks and stuff. Very classic Future Shock plot here. Fuck yeah. The- Take some notes, Future Shock writers. Two pages and a decent Definitely. twist. Yeah, in and out. The U.S. president arrives in London as the world nears nuclear war, and the prime minister gets a report that the president isn't human, but some kind of vegetable. Oh, my God. And he is. Yeah, the PM confronts him, and the president admits it. His people um, have been in control for decades, turning the world into a hellhole and eventually triggering a thousand-year ice age. When the thaw comes, his race of rutabaga people, which he's turned into now, will germinate and rule the earth. And then the dude just fucking shoots a laser out of his hand. Yeah, the prime minister shoots this rutabaga president right away. Because after all, like, get out of here, rutabaga dude. The warriors of Scion have their own plans for this planet. Pretty good. <laughs> which, which, which I thought was pretty good. Just different alien conspiracies bumping up against each other. You know, no one way or another, we're all ruled by aliens that don't have our best interests at heart. Bah, bah, bah. I'd rather it be the strongest of those aliens at the very least. Oh, you don't want to be, like, killed by rutabaga men, buddy? Oh, Come man. On. You don't want to be, like, the surviving members of, like, a, a race thrown to the stars. And everyone's like, oh, what are you? And you're, like, human. They're like, ah, oh, you got beaten by the rutabaga people? Like, warriors of Scion, at least that sounds awesome. They got yeah, laser guns. Some, get some respect that way, at least. Yeah, Bad yeah. Company 2 coming soon. Anyway. Um, wow. Fox, I got one question for you. Holy crap. Just wait, just one? Maybe, yeah. Maybe I have a few questions. Actually, maybe two questions. One, are you a rutabaga? Two, what were your top and bottom thrills? Clearly not a rutabaga. I'm also not an aubergine. If I were going to be uh, a vegetable, I would be an onion because I love onions. I'm an eggplant because I'm America till I die, bro. Get out of here with your aubergines. <laughs> eggplant for life. I, I oh, love you, man. Miss miss my American words. Looks, names, yeah. I fucking aubergine. What does that even mean? You think in Brussels they just call them sprouts, buddy? Like, you, you should check that out. Oh, I. you know what? <laughs> I'll do some investigative journalism just for you. I'm going to get to the bottom right. of this once and for all. Thank you. No yes. problem. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I know in Hamburg they just call them, like, sandwiches or something like that. Dude. You know? they, they call them errs. I'm not, I'm not going to lie because this happens a lot. I, I get asked, hey, would you like a sandwich? And I'm like, yeah, I would love a sandwich. Um, and that is a piece of toast here with stuff on it. Like, you know, <laughs> it's I an, uh, <laughs> I'm shocked to silence, buddy. I don't yeah, even know what I, to say. It's not, it's not like a handheld, uh, like meal without a plate because you got it all in your hand with tons of delicious things inside of it. Or, you know, uh, this thing that you play with, like a deck of cards, turning into a giant sandwich that you then have to unhinge your jaw and like eat with your your dog pal. No, it's just a it's just toast. Whoa. 
It's what we call Dagwood reference. That's ridiculous. I know. All right. right. What are your top and bottom thrills, buddy? I like that you said Dagwood and not yeah. like Scooby Doo. <laughs> Sorry, I got. Uh, I mean, I it's the, both. It's this is both. The, this is the this is the Conrad Fox divide, I guess. <laughs> we're gonna call our it, minds go. We're gonna call it the Scooby Dagwood divide. Finally. Jesus, uh, this is what do you how got it for ends. me? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what are we talking about again? Video games, shit, comic books, top and bottom thrills, bro. <laughs> Come on. Okay, so top's going straight to Judge Dread uh, this week. Oh, nice. Um, I really so I enjoyed everything. Um, I should say, but. Uh, bad company for me now. Like everything that got second listed is is uh, is all set up. It's like bad company is all set up. Mm-hmm. Fucking Strontium Dogs all set up. Uh, Slain tried to st- or, or I guess successfully set up and then pieced out for a little while. Right. So my big <laughs> yeah. my big boys feel like hey, there's some cool shit coming. Whereas Dread for like the whole through line, it's just a really great story that I really mm. liked. I liked it a lot. Really like this story. Um, and then, of course, special mention to the dead, which I'm getting pretty super stoked about. So, I mean, yeah, in terms of bottom, fuck, I don't know. Probably that I had to read as many future shocks as I did. That's that's mm. going straight there. I like I will say the only reason I'm not. It's <laughs> the, the future shocks are not bad company and they're not fucking slain. They're not strontium dog. So, yeah. I mean, that's the damning portion of it because I did like at least a few of them. I definitely did like uh, uh, kind of the wanton murder that we got out of um, Candyman. Ulysses Sweet. There Ulysses we go. Ulysses Sweet. Yeah. yeah listen. Yeah. I mean, fun. I think I we we, we, we we both presented ourselves as being in f- incredibly in favor of wanton destruction. So you <laughs> hypocrites. <laughs> To not at least partially be down with Ulysses Sweet. But that also makes me put it on the bottom because, God, you know, I could do without, like, extra content for the most part. But that said, Conrad. (sighs) What were your top and bottom thrills? Oh, man. Um, I guess I'll join you with Future Shocks (laughs) as my bottom. Wasn't hard, huh? Yeah, I'm not like just a lot of the stuff was really good, man. Yeah, it was um, was really good. This was another like, very solid episode. Yeah, like I really like you know Slain was pretty good, although left too soon. I, I think if I had to choose a non Future Shock choice, it'd be Slain, just because I'm I'm very much left on a cliffhanger here, mm. and it's not like a real cliffhanger. It's like a <laughs> what's going to happen next week kind of cliffhanger. <laughs> The the like, you get to that final episode in Dragon Ball Z and then the season completely starts back to season one and you're like wait what and then no one tells you that they haven't bought the rest of them from Japan yet yeah but I mean it's like there's a difference between like an end of the series that will pick up the series again later kind of cliffhanger and just like oh like that was just like you know the end of episode three of six you know like there's different levels of cliffhangers and so. <laughs> You know, it's a bummer to be left on that one. Um, I agree with that. Otherwise, though, Future Shocks is sort of a placeholder. You know, like these were sort of moderate ones. I thought Ulysses Sweet was pretty funny. Although, like I said, I'm glad they aren't going further with this because it could yeah. get old very quickly. Yeah. 
And Sorry, for my Ray. top, whoa, I'm going to say Strontium Dog, buddy. Um, it was a good chase. I really like, there's some good, like, like hover rickshaw chases. <laughs> um, and I really like this, intro- and like I, I'm liking both the introduction of Red and Reagan um, into this storyline. <laughs> like, you know, Durham Red, she's cool, she's hip, she's sexy, it's a good character. Uh, Ronald Reagan, like, He's cool, hell. he's hip, he's sexy. Yeah, like, I'm in favor of both these new characters, you know? And I think it's really, just a really ridiculous thing of just, like, um... You know, eighty-seven. Like, hey, we're just gonna put that silly American president into the proxy. God, that's <laughs> like, fucking great. It's it's such a ridiculous thing to do, and I'm all and and I'm all here for it. Oh, that's awesome, man! Oh, yeah, good time. Pretty excited for this stuff. Real excited just to keep going through um, eighty-seven. This year is looking pretty good so yeah, far. Yeah, right. I'm not hating it. No, I think uh, I I think we're out of the golden age, but it's giving new creators a chance to uh, to shine and do some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, or the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums, or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k. For everything else, look up spacespinner2000. We should be there. <gasps> but what's coming up next week? Come back next time as Bad Company gets drunk, Dread gets three wishes, Flood learns to fight, and the Strontium Dogs hit the rapids. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, and until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splunting for the